Hi, Vicky. Hi, Shane. Today we're talking about branches of physics. Oh. Yeah, I great. know. And I have a quiz for you. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that was so much better than I could have imagined. So uh, I'm just going to ignore your protestations. And I've given you a word bank ahead of time okay. with a handful of different branches of physics. And I mean, asterisks on branches of physics. I don't want anyone adding me, but things that are associated with <laughs> physics. Uh, <laughs> so uh, do you want... I don't, I'm not going to get into it. Do you want to read them out for the listeners? Yes. Heliophysics, Mm -hmm. optical physics, astrophysics, geophysics. Okay. Mm -hmm. To start, what is the study of matter-matter and light-matter interactions? I just want you to say matter again. Um, Matter-matter. Matter-matter, optical physics. Roger, roger. Yes. Yeah. Good job, Vicky. Okay, okay, so the next one. Okay. Physics in the universe, including the properties and interactions of celestial bodies. Astrophysics. It's just, I wish people could see how proud of yourself. I you wish right I now. had. So, weirdly, last week, my sister gave me a big foam finger. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish that uh, number one. it was closer to me right now. Okay. Next, uh-huh. the sciences of physical relations on our planet. Oh, see, you, that's a tricky... You said that in a tricky way. Our planet geophysics. Yes. Okay. And finally, I guess by process of elimination, the science mm-hmm. of understanding the sun and its interactions with Earth oh. and the solar system, including space weather. Oh, heliophysics. Good job, Vicky. Thank I'm you. I'm so proud of you. It's only... I've worked at AGU for 12 years. You're number one in my book. That's literally the only reason I know. Thank you. <laughs> I don't even need my foam finger. Science is fascinating. But don't just take my word for it. Join us as we hear stories from scientists for everyone. I'm Shane Hanlon. And I'm Vicki Thompson. And this is Third Pod from the Sun. Okay, so before we made this, Mm -hmm. I made this uh, caveat up top, but before anyone can comment uh, that some of these aren't perfect comparisons and arguably not physics, I know. Like, I just, I know. You know, I think that I was going to say we should be really accurate because we're like communicating science. We're a science communication podcast, but I feel like actually where you and I are not consistently accurate. So I think it's okay. Well, we're not trying to spread like falsehoods no, or anything no, 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 by no. any means. It's a game. I, like, like, I like to have fun yeah. sometimes at your or frankly, sometimes at my mm-hmm. expense. So here we are. But there was a purpose to all of this. So of these words I gave you in this word bank, mm-hmm. uh, we are talking today with someone who studies heliophysics. So she works with Vicky. Oh, wait, I have to scroll back up. <laughs> Physics in the universe, including the properties and interactions of celestial bodies. No, no, that's not the right one. Oh, I scrolled up too far. <laughs> this is so much better. No. <laughs> yeah, no, that's last oh, one. Oh, you're physics. right. Okay, okay, okay. The science of understanding the sun and in- its interactions, including space weather and blah, 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 the earth and the solar system. Very good, Vicky. Thank you. All right. Oh. So before we, we dig ourselves into a deeper hole, we'll just get into it. Our interviewer was Jason Rodriguez. 
My name is Ashley Greeley. I work for Goddard Space Flight Center with NASA, and I'm a research scientist. So I'm in the, the heliophysics division, and that spans a whole range of topics, all the way from the sun to the earth, because the, the sun does interact with, with our earth, its magnetic fields, its atmosphere. So what I study in particular tends towards the, the magnetic fields surrounding the earth called the radiation belts. I study particles, uh, what they do, how they change, how those populations can affect us, and on a, a practical matter, I sort of split my time between data analysis and building satellites. So it's kind of fun to get the, the hardware and, and the data analysis in there. Vicki, what, uh, what amazing thing do you split your time with? So, so there's, there's talking to me and then what else? Oh, wait. Okay. So in this comparison, are you the satellite or are you the like busy work? Oh, goodness. That's a great question. I'll, I'll, be, the, I'll be the more mundane stuff. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll, so, I'll own that. Yeah. So I guess, so on, in AGU land, I work to help members connect with the programs that AGU puts together that they really want to support. I think that that's, that's like a satellite. That's, that's like building a, a satellite. That's a really great answer, Vicky. Oh, um, but like, I mean, what what happens when all of the great work you're doing doesn't quite yield the desired results? The first project I worked on was a satellite that I worked on for five years. It was very involved, and we launched it, and it died. <laughs> yeah, so that was called Ceres. It was a CubeSat that my then advisor had proposed right as I was arriving at NASA. We got a, a quick signal from it and then um, lost communications and never heard from it again. And that was really disappointing. And, you know, we did a lot of rethinking over. Was there things we could have done differently? Did this need to go the way it did? And ultimately, it's hard to say because we don't really know what happened. But um, that's just that's just the way, the way it goes sometimes. So it was actually, it was a really cool experience because it was, when I say CubeSat, I'm talking like literally the size of a shoebox. It was small. And because it was so small, I was able to get in the ground floor of a project very early on in my career, uh, see it from start to finish. It was intending to look at electrons and, and protons in Earth's radiation belt. I started in doing simulations to... We have these computer packages so that we can sort of figure out in advance how the particles are going to interact with matter, do some calibrations of the, the detectors, put the whole thing together. It was really cool to touch an instrument that was going to go into space as a grad student. That was just oh, so crazy. <laughs> I did just get some funding. I went, It's my first proposal, actually, which was really exciting. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. It was an internal funding to develop a space weather instrument. So my co-I and I will be, that's co-investigator, um, we'll be looking into finding an, the optimal design for a new space weather particle instrument where you know, electronics and computers have improved so much in the past decades that we're able to do some really cool, interesting science in some really compact packages and really small instruments. So we're seeing you know, how, 
how high of an energy we can get to basically while still keeping the, the instrument fairly small so that it costs less money, there's a little less development into it, we could hopefully um, get it off the ground figuratively and literally quicker. <laughs> no, that's that's amazing. If, if if you can share with us what what is the sort of what is the mission or the goal of the of this of this project, of this proposal? Yeah, we're hoping to. Um, this is a little farther out in space than my usual instruments, which are in the uh, radiation belts. So we'll go out into into space. Um, it is still looking at solar wind products. We're hoping to solar energetic uh, particles, SEPs and GCRs, galactic cosmic rays. Some of those have pretty high energies, much higher than I'm used to dealing with. And so we want to be able to measure that, the spectra, the higher higher range of of ions and protons. Um, Because there's a couple couple missions that are reaching their end of life. And so we're going to have sort of a, a gap there in the future where we're not taking those measurements. And that's really important to do not just to have the observational capabilities to to do that for for pure science research, but um, one of you know, NASA's goals is to study space hazards and radiation in the the lunar region for the future Artemis missions. So we really need to fully understand the, those higher energy uh, ions and and how they're acting, so that we can protect our astronauts and our instruments that are going to be out near the moon. Would you ever want to go into space? You know, I I feel like we've talked about this before, yeah. but hard, hard no. Absolutely not. <laughs> there, are, there are just, there are too many things to worry about. I mean, beyond mm. the whole vacuum of space thing, which is terrifying. Right. I, I didn't even think about high energy ions. I can't imagine those being good for us. No, probably not. But as Ashley is thinking about these big, important concepts, does doubt ever settle in that maybe she can't do it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And she talked about this. She's experienced some pretty major imposter syndrome, but has also had some really great opportunities to be part of the conversation around it. I think one of the um, one of my my favorite moments, <laughs> I guess, as far as making progress in people's understanding of imposter syndrome, was at a conference. We we had uh, some roundtables with students and later career people, and I asked the senior scientists if they had ever experienced imposter syndrome. They were all immediately uncomfortable, <laughs> but they also all said that, yes, they had. And just the, the look on the student's face, you could tell it was really important for them to hear that. Um, so, I mean, I'm still working on it myself as well. Um, Me too. <laughs> too yeah. <laughs> it's a shame, really, because we're, you know, we're, we're doing really cool stuff. We're like, I, I love the research I'm doing, but just this... There's just something that's still, it's me holding me back. Um, and it's, it's really hard to get rid of, though. Do you have a favorite in-person, in-public personal achievement? Like a moment when you were in front of a crowd or a group and did or said something that you were especially proud of? No, I don't think I have any of those. I have. <laughs> I actually have to, probably not as much as you, but I have to talk in front of crowds of people like quite a mm-hmm. bit, like especially at like age you meetings and things. Sure. And I'm just excited when I like get off the stage without any major problems. 
I mean, that's that's an achievement. Yeah. It, it doesn't, the stakes can be whatever you make them. If it's important to you, it's right. important to everyone else, right? Sure. Yeah. And I mean, for for Ashley, that moment talking about imposter syndrome was a really big deal. But I mean, she's also had some incredible moments when it comes to research. Ooh, personal achievements. I hate to kind of tie it back into the science, but really getting my PhD was was huge. Um, I didn't come from a family that had a lot of higher education. My mom is an extremely talented artist, uh, but she didn't go to college. And uh, my dad got his associates when I was a young child. So that was something that my parents were always just really supportive and really proud, but I, I kind of bumbled my way through it maybe a little more than someone whose parents both went to school. I didn't really know what I was doing with student loans, for example. That was fun. Um, and so just experiencing that, experiencing that with my family was um, was really important to me. I think my dad might have even been prouder than I was when I when I got my degree, and that was just really special. Uh, it was a little. It was a little disappointing. Both my parents were at my thesis defense, uh, which was at the end of 2019. But then I was supposed to have my graduation ceremony May 2020. Um, <laughs> so I I didn't walk, which for some people wasn't important, but for me it was something that I just wanted to experience with my family. I, I had already bought the the hood and like the the gown and everything, the, the silly hat. So I brought them down over Christmas, and, you know, to, took some pictures of the family and just to recreate that a little bit because it was, it was something that was really important for me to, to share with them. So I guess like I see it through the, the eyes of my family. And so that's why like, I'm, I'm so proud of that. Shane, did you walk for your graduation? No. Oh, uh, well, for for a PhD, no, I, I didn't go to my ceremony because I kind of I graduated mid year and I would have had to like come back. Um, oh. I graduated early, which like, haha. Anyways, uh, <laughs> but for undergrad, my class, I went to a big public university, uh-huh. and my class was so big that no one walked. Literally, just all of the biology majors stood up, and then people clapped, and then we all sat down. Yeah. Oh, bummer. But did yeah. you? Did you do well in college? Like, would you have gotten accolades uh, on stage? Well enough, let's say. I mean, I ended up oh. I ended up getting a PhD, so I guess I did okay, right? Uh, <laughs> Good but, enough. Yeah, I mean, honestly, though, I think a lot more went into my success beyond just getting good grades. Yeah, actually, I, I think that sort of the quality that can make for a good research scientist is, is being stubborn, you know, getting your, your teeth into a problem and then not being willing to let it go until you figure it out. I always find it interesting. I think some people have this misconception of scientists where they think that everyone has to be like a genius, got like A pluses all through school or, or or something like that. And, you know, that's not really the case. They just, they have the curiosity and they have the stubbornness to see something through from beginning to end, even when you don't know if your, your problem is going to have a solution, you don't really know where it's going to go, but just to like keep going anyway. <laughs> Are you a stubborn person? Would you consider yourself a stubborn person? Oh my God. You know the answer to that. I'm so stubborn. 
I'm like the to spite myself stubborn person. Oh. Yeah. But that's interesting. Yeah. Are you stubborn? I yeah, I am. I, I like to think that I I've gotten better that I pick my battles these days. I think I just I care about uh-huh. less or fewer small things, um, which is probably that's, a good thing. That's really. But good. it does creep in once in a while. I mean, there was just even recently I was messing around with my a door that goes into our back. We have a screened in porch, mm-hmm. and it was it's just off. And I finally realized that the door itself is like. It's skewed a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's it's warped a little bit. And so nothing I could do can make it square. But I was so obsessed with it that I ended up missing lunch with a friend. And literally, <laughs> she texted me. She's like, hey, I'm here. I said, oh, no. I said, here's the deal. And I told her what happened. She said, yeah, you're awful. But I also understand that. So we'll just reschedule. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, <laughs> sometimes to my own detriment. But hopefully... Not as much as it, it used to be. See, but the door won. The door did win. But now, honestly, the door is still kind of messed up. And right. I could just get a new one. But we're also, we might be doing some stuff to the, the porch. It doesn't matter. So literally, it's it's like turning into a, um, it's, it's doing this. Was that a parallelogram? It's turning into a parallelogram almost where it used to be a rectangle. And now one side shifting up and one side shifting down. And so I literally just keep I keep sawing off the bottom so it doesn't drag. So now I'm just correcting it. I'm not even like obsessing with it anymore. Well, we can discuss further solutions later, but it's laughing at you. And with that, uh, <laughs> that is all from Third Pod from the Sun. Special thanks to Jason Rodriguez for conducting the interview and to NASA for sponsoring the series. This episode was produced by me with audio engineering from Colin Warren and artwork by Karen Romano Young. We'd love to hear your thoughts, so please rate and review us, and you can find new episodes on your favorite podcasting app or at thirdpodfromthesun.com. Thanks all, and we'll see you next week. But, like, I mean, what, what happens when all of the great work you're doing doesn't quite yield the desired results? Okay, you're not supposed to answer that. I know. Uh, I knew okay. because there was no space and because you put your hand up so aggressively. Well, I mean, sometimes you don't read ahead and sometimes you do inappropriately. So I never know with you. You're kind of a wild card I'm when it comes to, to script reading.